Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. On this episode, I'm joined by Mason Cosby, who is the founder of Scrappy ABM. And today we're talking about exactly that, how to be scrappy when it comes to your ABM program. We talk about why you don't need tech, some easy activation plays you can get started with, and how a podcast fits into ABM. Hey, Mason, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here, Dustin. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Um, the hat says it all. We're going to be talking about ABM, particularly <laughs> scrappy ABM. So let's just dive right into it there. What, you know, you've worked with a lot of companies to put their ABM motion in motion. What's the most common mistake you're seeing out there when people try to spin up ABM? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll summarize pretty much all the mistakes into one, which is they go first to buying technology as opposed to setting a right foundation. Um, I've been talking about this yeah. a lot recently of just like when people go to build an ABM program, they Google how to get started with ABM. And that like assumes the foundation is in place. Uh, and in most cases, like there's no foundation in place. So you just, you're putting the cart before the horse when you buy the tech. And that tech is not cheap. Uh, <laughs> of all marketing spends, like it's one of the more expensive ones that I, I I'm curious your thought there, because I don't think you're anti-tech at all. You're just anti, don't start with this giant 200K expenditure, get your ducks in a row first and then layer the tech on. Is that kind of your view there? Yeah, abs absolutely. And I was, I was talking with a, another marketer and they're like, I actually think you're underselling the pain of the $200,000 tech stack because it's not just a $200,000 tech stack, but it's also like the six month RevOps project and yeah. then the team training. And then like the fact that the integrations may not work. And so you end up actually like, I'm, I'm starting to calculate even like time and salaries. And I think it's actually like a $500,000 problem. And like, it's not that it's the wrong thing to do. It's exactly what you said. If it's actually timing like get the right mm -hmm. foundation start to build an abm program what you've got today and then the technology becomes like the accelerant that fuels the fire further as opposed to like the thing that actually kills the idea that abm even works yeah and it, it's you know it's been a weird year in 2023 too and it's kind of interesting like abm probably makes more sense now than ever because you have to be more efficient with your spend you want to target accounts you just don't want to open the floodgates to good leads and garbage yep. garbage leads but we're also afraid to spend money because we don't have too much and our jobs potentially on the line if we blow through the budget so you know fortuitous timing for you for the, the scrappy abm thing i think it makes sense more probably now than ever yeah it's um to put, to put it bluntly i've had more interest than i would have ever anticipated and i think it's just because simply put uh, there's less people involved in the marketing team because of layoffs. There is yeah. just a constant refining of the existing tech stack. So again, like, I feel like people were 
upset with the do more with less this past year. And I think we're actually heading into a larger season of do more with less because now that we've, for lack of a word, like cut down on who's in, on the number of people involved in the existing tech, like now you actually have to do more and there's, there's not an additional budget that's going to come until you've actually proven results. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, it's been a tough year for, for a lot of us, right? It's been a, been a tough one out there. Um, and I do want to talk, you know, about some specific plays, how a podcast fits in. We have a whole list of, you know, really tactical things that we can dive into. But first, ABM has kind of been one of those words that means something different to every single person who hears it. Um, so when we're talking about ABM, just frame the conversation here. Do you want to maybe say how you think about it and what is ABM or what isn't? Yeah. So we go ahead and say what it's not. And it's kind of the top layer understanding of ABM. People Google it and they're like, oh, it's ads. And I upload a list and I get to do display ads. And the reality is like, that's, that's a tactic. Account-based advertising can be effective, but like that is not ABM. So if you've Googled it and that's what you think it is, I'm sorry, the probably vendor that you looked at was actually selling you a service versus actually telling you the definition. The core definition from my perspective, uh, and I've stolen this from a former employer, it is ABM is a B2B growth strategy that aligns marketing and sales around a set of shared target accounts. So if you think to pull out of there, growth strategy specifically, it's not actually a marketing strategy. I have a love-hate relationship with the term ABM uh, because it is a, like, you have to have marketing and sales aligned. The marketing teams that go build the ABM program in a silo are not doing ABM. Sorry. Mm -hmm. From there, again, marketing and sales. So it's, it's cross-functional and then aligned around a set of shared target accounts. So we have agreement on the front end of who are our best fit customers. I'm going to be clear. This is not sales from the marketing saying, here's a list of the top fortune 50 companies that we want to go after. We have no rationale or no reason to go after these companies, but we think it'd be cool to close them. That's not a good target account list. Like it's not data driven. It's not got any real insights as to why we would even pursue these accounts. So it's a collaborative effort around who are our best fit customers and how do we engage them? The core thing I want to outline them is people will hear that definition. They will then go Google how to do ABM and they will go find all the technology. So the core of what I want people to hear is that what I just outlined has nothing to do with technology. It has everything to do with your strategy. So the concept of where I live, which is called Scrappy ABM, is the idea of how do you execute the, the definition that I just outlined, but probably using just a CRM and a marketing automation platform and like maybe some additional fringe technology that's free or incredibly inexpensive so you can actually build a program that gets some level of results. Yeah, that's really solid definition. Thanks. I think that sets the tone here. And I, well, we'll talk about the CRM part as well and how to build the list there. But I think that's, that's its own giant project first. And if you get the wrong list, it's not going to work. Yep. Um, and it's funny because I'm actually kind of going through this now of rethinking what is our real ICP and not just from a demographic and firmographic point of view, but you know, what are the problems these people have? You know, yeah. what are the jobs to be done that they have? How do we solve them? What's their, you know, competing priority? Do they do it in Excel or in a competitor? So it's a lot of work, honestly, coming up with that list. So maybe yeah. give some tips there on, you know, how do you start building that targeted list? That's a, it's a great question. And I would say it depends on your, your company maturity stage. So like, for example, I'll, I'll be really blunt. Scrappy ABM is a, is a very early stage startup bootstrap business. I don't have an ICP mm -hmm. verified yet because I haven't had enough reps of having clients in the door that I would have the confidence to say like, oh, this is for sure my ICP. So 
I, I have a general idea. I can tell you who it's not pretty clearly, but like, I, I want to be, uh, give credit to early, like really, really early stage startups. It's okay if you don't have a super clearly identified ICP, like actually close some customers and then refine based on the customers that you work with. So that's the starting point from there. Again, it's once you've now actually worked with customers, there's four departments you need to talk to. So the first is marketing. It's like when we're actually going out to market and evangelize the problem that we solve, what kinds of companies are actually showing any level of engagement with that problem? So that helps you to identify the right industry, the right vertical that you could even go after in the first place. Second thing is talking to sales. So when you actually are in a sales process, like what are the companies that are easy to work with, that are easy to close, that are excited, that aren't just like skeptical the entire way through, but are like, we recognize this as a massive problem. And again, prime example, I'm selling services. I had one type of client that continued to say like, what you're selling doesn't make sense and is outrageous. I had other clients that were the same kinds of clients that said, oh my goodness, this is a godsend. Where do we sign? I want to find more of the second. Yeah. From there, talk to customer success and identify who are the customers that are actually easy to work with long-term that, again, there's this like running joke that buyers are liars and so are salespeople. So like you're trying to find the people in the sales process that were honest about their current situation and the value that they actually needed. And you then need to actually see that in your customer success teams of like, are these the right people? Are they getting value? Are they utilizing the tool? Are they enjoyable to work with? Like, again, we're all in business. Like we all want to help each other out, but I also want to work with people that I enjoy working with. And then that's a kind of a culture fit perspective. That's very difficult to identify in like a zoom info, but like there's a culture fit piece that's super helpful to identify. And then the last department to speak with is your finance team. So like when we look at the customers that we're working with, who are the most profitable customers, who has the highest lifetime value? And again, who is continuously, like who's renewing early, who's paying their invoices on time? Like those are the kinds of things that actually increase your ability to grow as a business. So that lots of conversations to be had. Um, but I think that's actually the best way to identify your ICP. Yeah, I, I like too how it's not just, you know, what industry do you sell into the most at what company size and all of that. You're going a little bit deeper there. Okay. And obviously a relatively large research project, time up front, which you need to do. Um, and then one other question before we dive into the specifics is people hear ABM and some people will think targeted account list of 15, where I'm going to go hand to hand combat. Others will think targeted account list of 8,000. I'm going to run ads to the answer is yeah. probably somewhere in the middle, but curious your thoughts there on how large of a list, how do you tier it? That yeah. sort of approach. It's a great question. Um, I've got clients that I'm, I'm working with where their total addressable market is a thousand accounts. So as we're thinking about their account based marketing programs. It's like 100 to 150 account lists that are very specific to a very specific challenge or problem. Um, I have other clients that I've worked with in the past where we did an entire ABM program around three accounts because they were larger enterprise ac accounts. So I'd think less of the size of the account list and more the rationale behind the list that we're building. So I like to think through my ABM programs in two ways. Uh, very problem specific or very vertical specific. So again, is there a very clear and tangible problem that we're solving that is unique to these kinds of businesses? So as we create content and collateral that gets past just like general vague problem messaging, but like to specific core pain points that these people are experiencing, what's the list for that size group? And then is 
also vertical specific of like, we know within this specific vertical, these are core challenges and problems. So again, it's just different ways of thinking through it. Um, the best approach from my perspective is to layer the two. So you get the vertical component from a, uh, from a graphic demographic perspective, and then you further refine down based on like core challenges that, you know, this organization is experiencing. So, uh, prime example, uh, AI right now is like a super hot vertical that everybody's trying to go after. It's the vertical that's typically getting funding. Um, so you could go after AI companies that just received a round of funding as like a filtering criteria. Again, that was off the cuff ideas. Um, but like, that's the kind of thing in which you can further filter down as opposed to just like tech companies, maybe going after specifically AI companies that have some kind of additional filtering criteria and trigger that would cause you to, to add them to your programs. Yeah. The other thing too, as a marketer, it's more more fun coming up with the messaging and content when you niche down a bit oh, yeah. rather than having this broad strokes like you said i'm going to sell to every tech company if you're niching down and saying okay for this target list it's cybersecurity companies i'm going to research what they actually care about the messaging it's going to work better because it's going to hit better but it's also more fun because you don't end up defaulting to we will save you time and yeah. save you money and all those generic you know value props that people go to exactly and, you know, so you mentioned CRM is kind of the only tech we mentioned to get started so far and marketing automation to make the plays. I want to talk about, um, you talk about this a lot on, on LinkedIn, on the website, on specific activation plays and yeah. triggers to start some of these. So maybe, you know, let's, let's give the listeners one that you particularly like and talk through kind of why that works. Um, I'll actually, I'll give you like the, the general of like, everybody has this. And then really the framework to discover mm -hmm. one that would be in, incredibly impactful for your organization. So like every organization has close lost. Every organization has meetings that were missed. Every organization has people that have hit your product pages that never booked a call. Every organization has yeah. customers that they've lost that they could re-engage. Like those are four clear trigger activation plays that you could run pretty easily. And again, it's always funny on LinkedIn when we get to kind of the end of like Q3 early Q1, like you'll see people post about the idea of like looking for a quick way to generate pipeline, like go back to your graveyard. And like most organizations that I've spoken with just haven't automated the process around reminding your reps to re-engage those accounts. It's like the, oh, we should do that idea that's always in the back of your mind. But like, why don't you just build the process and like create a sustainable process around essentially resurfacing that pipeline every three months every six months, every, like however that cadence needs to look for you. Like those are clear activation plays that any organization can run that marketing has the tool set to operationalize it through all of their automation and their list segmentation. And they can help develop like templates and messaging that align well. And then sales has the ability to activate on that information and that data and those templates. It's like core, every organization can do that. And I think that they should, and it'd probably take you two months to build out those four plays. But again, you've now created a repeatable process around how do we source and re-engage old pipeline and re-engage old customers to bring them back into our, uh, into our product. So that's the core. The other way to like identify a play, I'll give you a quick example. We had a client that is B2C and B2B on the B2C side of their business, people were booking experiences. And they had about 300 business emails on a weekly basis that were booking an experience on the BC side of their business. We segmented those emails out. 
and send them over to their B2B sales team and said, you should just email these people and say like, hey, you played an experience at our, on our, one of our campuses in the past seven days. We have these additional service lines that would be better for your business given the context. Would you be interested in scheduling a call? That simple play generates an additional nine to 15 meetings a week for that client. That's it. So like, I can't give you the exact prescriptive version for you because I don't know your existing data flow and the way that your business model works if you're just listening in. But look at the way in which your data flows through your system and identify where in our system is there an opportunity for somebody that is already brand aware that has worked with our business in the past or in some capacity, like a smaller capacity that we could upsell them into and expand them into a larger ongoing relationship or where are they in which they haven't yet booked a call, but they're super aware they've been engaging with us a lot. What's the outbound opportunity? And I want to be clear, this is not like an MQL score. It's like, what's a very specific, tangible action that shows to our sales team, they're probably ready for us to reach out in some capacity. So again, I don't know everybody's business, unfortunately, or else I could give the exact example. Like that's how you think through it. It's like, what's the flow of data? How are people engaging with us? Where's an action that we could activate off of? Yeah, and I like the making it a process because I feel like we've, most marketers have done those ad hoc once a year, you do some big push. Like you said, usually Q3, Q4, you're trying to wrap strong. Um, like an example of something we've done there that we automate is we sell to marketers um, and at companies with, that are large with a lot of marketers. So we have triggers set up whenever a marketer moves from one company that used to work with us to a new company, we just kind of do the automatic reach out. It's kind of like the user gems playbook essentially, but has worked super well. It's automated. It runs in the background. I set it up. I don't have to do anything now. And it, like you said, brings in meetings every week. So I like that approach of systematizing it. Um, and then on, you know, maybe more on specific play here, you also mentioned podcasts as an ABM tool, uh, which is interesting. I know you host a podcast or on a podcast. It's great timing for this, but curious how that, how you think through that. Cause most people just view it as a content machine and a content repurposing tool and maybe not an ABM play. Yeah. So I mean, on the topic of podcasts, if you want more activation plays, quick plug for myself, uh, you can check out, we've got a live stream that we're doing every Tuesday at 1230 Eastern time where we're actually digging into more plays like this. So again, if this has been interesting, nice. would love to, to help you find some more plays with industry experts. And speaking of those industry experts, to put it bluntly, many of those industry experts feel that I would love to work with. So the way in which I structure my podcast, uh, personally is yes, like I'm pulling in people that I know will have great content that will have great ideas on how to build a scrappy ABM playbook and a scrappy ABM program. Uh, but the core is these people have probably never thought of what they're doing as a quote unquote scrappy ABM approach. They were just like building their business and building their marketing programs. So by inviting them onto the show, I'm now helping expose them to scrappy ABM, helping them understand the concept and the idea and they're interested. And then I get to frame them up as a hero and is doing something incredible and awesome. And then what that turns into is we've now built a relationship. It's a one-to-one -one relationship with the best fit, but kind of the customers. Uh, and it's, I don't know if you've ever tried, most people have super difficult to get a CEO on a phone call, incredibly difficult. Yeah. Uh, really easy to get a CEO on a podcast, like not a hundred percent guaranteed rate, but I remember some data from a while back. And again, I need to dig this up to, to know what it is now. But at one point, the data around the podcast was like an 80% success rate when you ask someone to come on a show. And again, <laughs> even in the activation plays that I'm outlining of like cold, uh, cold outbound and closed loss, like 
you're going to be really killing it if you convert that into like a five to 10% meeting booked rate. Whereas with a podcast, if there's like a really high value target that you really want to develop that relationship with and make sure that they know that you exist. People cannot buy from you if they don't know that you exist. The podcast is a great way to make sure that people know you exist, to build the one-to-one relationship, to do a little bit of education on what you do. Because again, I, for example, I got asked onto your show. And from there, I like went and did a bunch of research on like who you were and what you do and how like I could maybe add value in that concept. So like, again, because of the awareness that I was now going to be on this show, like I went and did research on your company and you that I would not have otherwise done because why would I like? I'm doing my own stuff. Yeah. So you've now broken through the noise and gotten me to think about you in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. And I think just to highlight that success rate with another data point, we, we see the same thing. Like that was my hesitation of, oh man, I don't want to ask this person, you know, they have a lot of followers. They work for this big company, this big, important role. I would just make the ask, like send a LinkedIn DM. If you think they're a great fit, they can provide value to your audience. And like you said, 80, 90%, it's shocking the success rate there. Um, and I think the key is don't use the podcast as a, a sales pitch. Like, you know, the yeah. second you click stop recording, don't go into your little spiel. Like it is a relationship play, I think. Yeah. And I've, I've been on those shows where they stopped. Rec- like we had an hour time slot. They recorded for 20 minutes and then pitched me for 30. And like those shows just are never yeah. successful. Uh, and nobody, yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. Like nobody ever buys. So it's, I don't know, it's just kind of a ridiculous thought process. And I think that's why I actually think podcast booking rates are going down slightly because people are starting to pick up on that play. So like, please don't be that person, like actually build relationships with your best fit customers and know that in time, because of the awareness, because of the value that you've added, because of the opportunity to build that relationship, they'll, they'll work with you inevitably. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ruin it for the rest of us. Basically (laughs) is what we're saying there, right? So basic, thanks so much. That was, you know, 20 minutes of a lot of stuff that people can take and use. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact, scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Mason Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.